We're back to kick off your week in the hockey world. It is the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Ian Mendes, Haley Salvian with you for the next, you know, we'll call it 45 to 60 minutes. Uh, coming up, we're going to hit on a really eventful week in uh, the NHL with some big trades, free agent stuff. Uh, got a whole bunch of great questions from uh, listeners via Twitter to uh, to tackle. Uh, we got some, some multiple choice to wrap up the show with, so... We're going to get right to it here, Haley. First thing I got to ask you, though, because you posted photos on social media of you at the Calgary Stampede. <laughs> and, and I need to know, because um, my dream is to go to the Calgary Stampede. I've never been. Okay. And say, with a t-shirt that says, this is my first rodeo. You know, because I've never been. Uh, <laughs> was this your first rodeo? It was my first rodeo. Yes. Like, I actually went to the rodeo yesterday. Um, we did the chuck wagons the other day. That was the first time I'd ever been. We did the chucks. It's what the people call it. So it's like the, the horses, there's like four horses in the cart going around the track. Um, so we went to the chuck wagons and then we did the rodeo yesterday. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I walked over there cause I live close enough to the stampede. Um, like there's just basically like one main street that like leads straight over there. Well, there's more than just one, but I live off, um, one of the big main drags, like the red mile and in Calgary and walked over and I was meeting up with my friend, Kristen Anderson, who used to cover the flames for a really long time. And she now works for the Calgary stampede. And I went and met her and I was just wearing like sandals and shorts and a tank top and she's like no uh uh-uh, no what size your feet like here's some cowboy like she just had like seven pairs of cowboy boots in her office she's like put these on and take this belt and wear this vest and here you need this cowboy hat and I, that's where I drew the line I was like I'm not wearing the cowboy hat with the belt and the vest and the boots this is my first time yeah my first rodeo up. It was my first, yeah. So she is like, you're not going in like that. You need a pair of cowboy boots. Uh, so Kristen's office became my wardrobe room. Um, yeah, like the ro- the actual rodeo was wild. I will say I didn't like the ones where they were like tackling and tying up the little cows. Didn't love that. Uh, I don't know what it's called, but there was like, like lasso, lasso, lasso them. Then you tie up their feet. I, you know what? I never know. Is it is it lasso or lasso? I'm with you. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's why I was trying to say it fast enough that no one could notice yeah. that I was probably mispronouncing it. Um, I didn't. I love think it's lasso, lasso, right? Lasso. Like, like lasso. Wonder Woman had a lasso, wasn't it? Right. Did she lasso yeah. people with her lasso? Yeah, was I she don't know. Sewing someone with her lasso. Somebody help us out. Yeah. But uh, anyways. I didn't love the like tackle the little baby cow and tie his feet up one. Um, there was one really cute cow and they show there was like a close up of him getting tied. And I was like, no, they're like, don't say that here. <laughs> I was like, oh. But the, like the, um, the like bull riding is crazy. The, um, the other, <laughs> Horse ones are cool. I don't know what any of these things are called. It was like, it, it's one of those things where I was like, I've never, even if I didn't like love them tying up the little calf and like you don't love um, seeing animals that way. 
Um, it was just something where I was like, this is something that you need to like come to at least once because I've never seen anything like it. I've never experienced anything like this massive rodeo happening right next to the saddle dome. Like it was so packed too. Um, and it was really hot out. I don't know. It was just like this really unique and like cool experience. Okay. Did you eat anything fun? Like a deep fried no. Snickers bar or no. like something, nothing. <laughs> no. Are there are there vegetarian options at the I'm not Calgary vegetarian. Stampede? No, no, I'm just I'm curious if like could you roll in and be like I'll do the lent I'll do the lentil chili. Like can can you I feel like that doesn't happen in Calgary. And at the Stampede. Well, there's vegan stuff here in Calgary. Um I feel like you could probably get like the nachos with no cheese that's vegan yeah rice like you're probably just looking at the fried food that doesn't have any dairy on it oh i'm disappointed that you wouldn't have had like some classic carnival stampede type food i can't eat i i'm i have a gluten allergy i'm not gonna go and eat deep fried food oh, see now you're making me feel bad i didn't know i forgot i forgot you had a Nobody remembers my food allergies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that single tear every single time someone offers me like a piece of their cake or like a cookie. I'm like, how could you forget? Okay. Well, I won't, I won't bring that up again. Uh, <laughs> what I want to know is what's the vibe in, and maybe you sensed it a little bit at the stampede, but certainly you've been in Calgary the last few days. It, it was tough watching Johnny Goudreau leave and then have that press conference like how like how are Flames fans feeling about watching uh, Johnny Goudreau leave town? And like, mm -hmm. wh where are Flames fans at right now? Well, I think it's um, it's difficult because of how long this process kind of went. Right, like the Flames were eligible to re-sign him last summer. Um, they did start talking, couldn't get to an extension. Um, Johnny has this amazing year. They, nobody talks about it during the season. They're not going to negotiate in season. They're not going to talk to the media in season. So it was like this really like long dead time where you just heard nothing. And then all, all eyes like are on this contract for the whole summer. And I really think they got close. Um, you know, the flames offered him an $84 million contract. So eight times 10.5, uh, no, like that. I mean, Maybe somebody offered that and he turned it down in the open market, but like based on the contract he signed in Columbus, like he was not offered that kind of money. And that was always the leverage that the flames had up until free agency open was having that eighth year and the ability to give Johnny that extra piece of longevity and that extra cash on top of the AAV essentially because of that eighth year. Um, and it really seemed like things were moving in a direction of like, because look, for me, for a while, I was like, I don't know, like, I, I think the fact that they didn't sign him last summer when he wanted to be extended um, was a mistake. I'd been writing for months and months that this was going to end up being a very costly error by the Calgary Flames not re-signing Johnny Gaudreau last summer. Um, because you just think he he wanted to stay and they didn't lock him in. They couldn't come to terms. And I think that maybe bothered Johnny Gaudreau. Um, maybe that's probably not the reason he didn't come back. Um, but that's, 
I think a piece of this whole puzzle, right. Is like, you could have done it last summer. You didn't for whatever reason you didn't trade him or whatever. I mean, obviously hindsight 2020, you know, for everyone saying like, well, why didn't they trade him? I mean, well, look at what he did this year and like, look at the trajectory the team went on with him. It's just kind of unfortunate that now all of that hangs in the balance. Um, But I think it's been tough. I think, you know, there's a lot of fans who had, you know, kind of close, like personal, like connections in that way with Johnny. Like they grew up watching Johnny with their mom or, um, he's their favorite player. Like there's Johnny Gaudreau jerseys all over, all over town. Right. So I think, um, that's always a hard thing to see like a face of the franchise and such an important piece of the organization leave. Um, I think what makes it harder again, is that it went from this place of like, Oh God, he's leaving to, Oh, Hey, like there's actually some optimism because Brad tree living said that at the draft. And then there was like this kind of shift from, oh, oh crap, we haven't heard anything. He's been sitting on this offer for a month. He's probably gone to, you know, what I actually feel cautiously optimistic about him staying to, you know, reports that talks of, you know, continued in a different way. And the flames are tabling all this money to all of a sudden, like Johnny Gaudreau has told the flames that he's testing the market. Like the 11th hour, you know, like, I think it was like 11 PM, 10 PM when that press conference happened, like it was, pretty late in the game. And I think it was horrible timing for the flames, um, a devastating like update for fans and the organization, like that is a shape shifting move. Um, especially if, if Matthew doesn't stay. So this has always been, I think the flames have always had like the most consequential off season in the league based on just how many contracts are up and how many things are happening. Um, and Johnny was that first domino. And now we're in this like waiting period of like, okay, what's next? Like, are the flames going to be able to minimize the damage or is this all just going to like blow up? Yeah. And, and I'm curious, like what happens when players leave like this, fans are either mad at the organization or the player. And I've seen, I've seen the phrase Johnny Walker. Get thrown oh. around on Twitter like he's Johnny Walker. That's his new nickname because he walked out of town. Like when he comes back with Columbus, are they? Is this place going to be full of boot? Like, are people really angry at Johnny Goudreau, or are they angry at Flames management for not extending him last summer? I don't know. Honestly, like I've seen some fans who are like, "Screw this!" Like we could have, you could have had you could have had a legacy here. You could have been the captain. You could have had your name in the rafters. You could have had $84 million and you left with no explanation. Really. When he was asked about it in Columbus, like he gave nothing. All he said is that, you know, I've loved the fans. I've loved the city, but it was time for a change. And I feel like for some people, that's not a good enough answer. Um, I would say that like, it is his right to test the market and do what is best for him and his family. Um, His wife is pregnant. Um, That is something that John has shared recently. That was something that like I didn't talk about throughout this process because that's not, you know, that's like a weird thing, right? Ian, like when like Johnny Gaudreau's contract's up and you're trying to write about it, 
in this respectful way while also knowing that like there's this personal piece that he has not shared that you probably shouldn't because it's not your place to share um but like that is something that I think was known to people is that his wife was pregnant and it was like well maybe he now he wants to go back home and that was a big piece of it I think that's what pisses fans off more than anything some of the fans like the segment of fans who are angry um, is probably that they had heard on Tuesday night that the Flames did all they could. Um, they had heard that it was a family decision. Um, but then for him, everyone just assumed like it was going to be Long Island, um, Jersey or Philly. So then for him to sign in Columbus, which is what, an eight hour drive from South Jersey, uh, eight hour drive from Philadelphia, I think fans were like, uh, excuse me. Um, and I will say like, it's not close to home, but I think an eight hour drive with a newborn is easier than a four and a half hour flight with a newborn. Um, flying with a baby is not easy. Um, it's easier to drive than to fly. It's Columbus is in the Metro division. So they're going to be playing back home a lot more than he did. And like family is something that's important to, Johnny Gaudreau, like his mom and dad didn't see him play in Calgary for three years because of the pandemic. And like Johnny is somebody who went back to Boston College for an extra year, that Hobie Baker year, because he wanted to play with his brother. So just because Columbus is kind of far, like I wouldn't underestimate how important just being that much closer is to someone like John and his wife who is pregnant. Um, Because again, like I think those three years were hard for the family. Guy and Jane didn't get to come to Calgary for three years and they didn't get to see their son play in person. Um, And even when they got to see him play on the road, it was like last year, I think they were in, um, they came to one of the away cities and kind of had to wave from behind the glass, you know, all of his like sisters and, and nephews, et cetera. You know, that stuff's hard for athletes, especially somebody who is close with their family. So I think there's a faction of fans who are very angry. Um, I I don't, I think there's fans who are shifting their anger towards management saying like, this is horrific asset management. The best player that we've had in like since Jerome and his prime just left for nothing and we did nothing about it. Um, I, I would say that I think the flames really thought that they could get something done. That's why they probably didn't trade him. Um, So I don't know. I think there's fans who are appreciative for everything that Johnny gave to the city. I think there's fans who are very angry at him for leaving and leaving in the way that he did. I think there's fans who would have been more understanding if he signed in New Jersey. I just think the sticker shock of Columbus for 9.75, like he left $15 million on the table to sign eight hours from home. And I think there's some fans that just aren't sitting well with that. Um, yeah. So I don't know what the reception is going to be. That's my long-winded answer. I, yeah, I no, it's going to be. No, I have no idea. I don't think we're like John Tavares level, like booing. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be like a unanimously warm welcome. Cause I think everyone's just in a different place. Yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. I always believe for me, uh, when you're an unrestricted free agent, you got one chance to choose your destination. You go do it. And the only people you answer to are your family and your close circle. That's it. Johnny Goudreau doesn't have to answer to me or you or yeah. the the fans um, about his life decision. Like, have at it, man. You get you get one chance to go and hit a home run or or, or pick your spot or call your shot. And I'm uh, 
you know, I'm always supportive of, of athletes that way. And you know what? Like, I think it, like, it was like, this wasn't even like a, Hey mom and dad, what should I do? This was like, we are married now. We are yes. discussing this as a family. We have a kid on the way. Like John and Meredith, like talking about their life together. And this is what happened. I saw, and I will say, I saw somebody call her Yoko on Twitter. Please don't be that person. Don't go to a player's wife and try to call them like Yoko Ono and just like be rude in general. I know that's a lot to ask on social media. But like, let's not do that. She's pregnant. Yeah. She, this is her husband. They made a choice. Like, let's not do that. I hate, I don't like that at all. No, I'm with you. All right, hey, listen, we got a bunch of uh, questions on Twitter, which I think will basically serve as a fun way for us to kind of talk about some things going on in the hockey world right now. So we threw this out on Twitter earlier, asking for some questions from our listeners. Wait, I'll ask you a question. Oh yeah. Have at it. How good is the Ottawa top six? Oh my, in, in fact, okay. Well, you know what? This is perfect. This is the I perfect segue. It on like free agency. I was like, what the, oh my God. Like, yeah. So good. And we're going to talk about your, uh, your TSN hit uh, stint there because that that's in the, the mail back here. That's a good question. Like Ottawa's top six for me with Alex DeBrinkett, Claude Giroux, Tim Stutzla, Drake Batherson, Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris. From one to six is, in my opinion, as good as anybody's. Now, are there teams that have better top two and three? Absolutely. There's teams that are more top heavy, the Dreisaitl and, and McDavid's and the Matthews and the Marners. But if you're talking simply one to six, like in yeah. terms of quality, it's going to be awfully hard to beat Ottawa's top six. Yeah. And their third line, Alex Formanton is good and he's fast. And I don't know who else. And like Shane Pinto. Ma- Matthew, Matthew Joseph, Alex Formanton and Shane Pinto. Yeah. And, you know, obviously like someone like Nick Paul or Connor Brown would complement that line greatly because of their two-way play. Um, but Matthew Joseph is a younger cost-controlled asset, so I get it. Um, but damn, like that top nine even. It's unproven. It's on paper, but it looks very good. And everyone knows in Ottawa that I'm like a Shane Pinto truther. Uh, he, he's he got a sneaky good chance to be in the Calder conversation uh, this year. Like I, I think he could be a 40-point guy, 45-point guy, kill some penalties. And if they, if they somehow – push for a playoff spot. I could see him. I remember his third game in the NHL and DJ had him taking D zone faceoffs. Yep. In a one goal game. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> he's they like him. fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. So here's a question we got on Twitter from Patrick McConnell. Patrick wants to know from us, who's got a better top six forward group, the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Ottawa senators. <sighs> I think it depends on how you look at it. Right. I think because the Leafs have Austin Matthews uh, and Mitch Marner. Um, and obviously Michael Bunting, like that was one of the best lines in hockey last year. So I think like Matthews is almost in himself a trump card. Like how do you beat a top six with Austin Matthews? Because even if your second line's not scoring, Austin Matthews is. Um, I'm trying to even think of who like the second line in Toronto is going to be next well, year. Well, John Tavares, Willie Nylander. And who's going to be on that wing, I guess. They they play with that a lot, right? Yep. I mean, I mean, I know Kerfoot's more of a center, but like, if you had to pick a top six between Toronto and Ottawa, whose are you taking? 
Oh God. I want to say Ottawa because I'm so intrigued, but like, I feel like you have to go Toronto because of Austin Matthews. But like you were saying, like one to six, I think the Ottawa one is better, especially when you consider John Tavares hasn't looked great. I mean, even bad John Tavares is still a good second line center. Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. It's a really tough one. I think I lean towards taking the Hart Trophy Rocket Richard winner um, over, you know, a top six. And I think it's because this is a top six that's on paper. Like, I don't know how that's going to look on the ice. I don't know who's going to look like what next season, but I know that Austin Matthews is one of the best goal scorers in the game right now. So I'm probably going Toronto, but I'm looking long at Ottawa. (laughs) It is a legitimate debate. And I'm, that it's a debate is so good for hockey. I think the yeah. NHL is better when both teams are good in the Battle of Ontario. Yeah, totally. I couldn't couldn't agree with you more. And I, I boy, I, I think I might lean like I think Ottawa's got potential for four of those guys, maybe even five, to be thirty goal scorers in Norris, in the Brinket, in Stutzla, and Kachuk. Mm-hmm. And you know, Batherson's a little bit more of a playmaker. Giroux's a little bit more of a playmaker. But I think you have potential there for, you know, uh, for for those two lines to score 200 goals combined, potentially. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they're able, like, I'd love to hear from our listeners. If you had to pick right now a top six group, do you take Ottawa's top six or Toronto? So, you know what? Uh, hit us up on Twitter or hit us up in the comment section. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, here's a couple of questions for you, Haley, from our uh, our mailbag on, on Twitter. Uh, I'll read one comment, and then I'll ask you the question. Uh, Mike. Castellino writes in, uh, no questions from me. Just wanted to say Haley was fantastic. TSN during free agent uh, frenzy. Well done, Haley. I'll echo that. Um, but I will also uh, read this question from Salo Slapshot. Okay. Salo Slapshot, I am looking for some behind the scenes details as to how free agency went for Haley. She did a great job. Yes, you did. Honestly, like anybody who watched that, could see your talent, could see your comfort, could see your expertise, all that stuff. So, uh, but what we're looking for, Haley, we're looking for some dirt. Like, you know, Ray Ferraro getting getting angry behind the scenes, you know, Cheryl Pounder being a you know, being tough to work with. We know that th- those she things are true. Diva. She yeah. Cheryl Pounder, what a diva. Care. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my no, god. No, but what g- give us like give us a sense of what like the chaos behind it. And by the way. James Duthie is the most unbelievable ringmaster oh, to be my. able to pull. It is phenomenal what James is able to do. Phenomenal. I accidentally threw to him too early. And this is like, I guess, a behind the scenes thing. So at one point I was doing the list and they're like, let's try to get one through 40. And that's really hard to try to do when you're with another person. So you're trying to get through the list for the viewer but you're also trying to bring in, and this was a really unique position they had me in because it was like, we want you to use your opinion, but you're running the list. So it was like a opinionated host role that I was kind of in. Yeah. Um, basically like on the top of the hour plus another hit. So it was like twice an hour throughout the show. It's a really long day. And it was this really weird space of like, okay, I need to get through the list. I'm very aware in my internal clock of how long I've been on screen and how quickly viewers are like, all right, let's fuck it. (laughs) No, let's go. It's a podcast. Keep it in. (laughs) Let's move on from that. 
Um, that was the most awkward save ever. It probably just sounds like I vomited or something on, <laughs> on camera. Um, but, you know, I was very aware of like, oh God, I've been on camera for too long. And not that I was uncomfortable with it, but just knowing that people were probably like, uh, are we going to get to the next segment? So there was at one point where I was trying to get to 40, but then I could hear someone in my ear being like, get to James, get to James. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to wrap at 30. And it was just like, back to you, James. And you could see that James was like, this is my moment to relax. I'm like going through my notes and he just went, <laughs> he like jumped up and was like, all ready to go. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's, oh, he's so good. like I, I biffed that I was supposed, and then in my ear, they're like, I thought you were going to 40. And like, James just like, he's always listening. And like, that's the thing. He's not just like tuning everything out because like someone else is on screen. Like he's listening and paying attention to know that if something like that happens, he's ready to go for the next thing. And he's so great with that. I worked with James um, at the Olympics and he made me feel so comfortable. I was doing panels about Latvia, like Sweden, Slovakia, Finland and and stuff like that with, with Duffy and and Dave Poulin. and, And they were just like two of the best people I think I've ever worked with um, in terms of making me feel comfortable and confident. There was like one, I had to do one hit on, um, God, who was the Canadian goalie um, who didn't end up playing a lot that everyone was like, look at this great story. He tore his ACL and he was never going to play again. Oh God, I'm a bad host, but I forget the name, but like Duffy basically was like, here, like I have this nugget about him. Like you take it. Cause I got thrown into this panel <laughs> with no notice. Um, and they asked me to talk about, you know, the Canadian backup goalie. And I was like, I don't know. And James was like, here, like I spoke to him on the phone the other day, like, go ahead and take this. And he's just, I, I have so many good things to say about, oh yeah, it was Eddie, Eddie Pasquale. Thanks producer, Chris. Yeah. Um, Eddie Pasquale. Yeah. And like James had talked to him. He's like, I've got a bunch of stuff like here, use this little nugget. So he's great. He's awesome. In terms of like back. I don't know. It's, it's such a, I find, I found that free agent frenzy was more chill than the trade deadline show. Um, because everyone's like ready to go to the cottage probably, but whereas trade deadline, it's, um, a lot of different reacting to things. It's trade lists instead of free agent lists. It's like, you know, there's always like two sides to it. I don't know. Free agency was, you know, you get in in the morning, it's a really long day. Everyone's getting their makeup done and stuff. And, you're going through prep notes and because I was doing what I was doing, I was kind of off to the side where everyone else was sitting on their panels. Um, So for me, it was kind of just, there was some segments where I'd have the prep time to be like, okay, this is what we're going to talk about. I think this is a point I really want to hit. And other times it was just like, Oh, you know what? Like X person's in the bathroom. So we can't go to Y panel. So why don't we just bring Haley and like MJ up on the board? And you'd be like, all right, like, let's figure out what we're going to talk about in the 30 seconds before we go to air. Oh, you, by the way, you, you can go ahead and say it. It was Jeff O'Neill in the bathroom. You don't have to <laughs> say like somebody's in the bathroom. Jeff O'Neill. Oh, dog was in the bathroom. We get it. No, it wasn't. Um, and by the way, you mentioned Dave Poulin. Dave Poulin is such a, like, I want people to understand what a nice man he is like like he's just a nice human being like and and a great uh we're lucky in ottawa we get him on the radio often we get him on sense broadcast he's a really smart guy and 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 i I don't think for younger people they may not realize how good of a player he was he's Mm -hmm. one of the best defensive centers of his generation and yeah he's just got a great mind uh, that panel it was like 
each panel was like an all-star panel of, you know, Ferraro and Pounder and Poulin and then, you know, Marty Biron on another panel. And then there's the, the, uh, the overdrive and then there's the insiders and then there's you. And it was just that it was a, everyone was a former player except for me, Martin Duffy and Duffy. I don't think and Dreger. You think Dreger? Right, right, right. Dreger wasn't insider around. I mean the panelists. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of like former players and exactly. Stuff. Yeah. It was um it was a lot. There were some that were a little dicey where I was standing up there and looking at MJ and I was like, what do you want to talk about? And they're like, five, four, <laughs> like mm. yeah. Oh, we'll figure it out in a second. Um, but you know, there's a lot of people who are really easy to work with there. So it was, um, it was a long day, but it was cool. And it helped that the flames did absolutely nothing. Let me, uh, speaking of the flames, there's some people who are wondering if Nazem Kadri, if Calgary could be a landing spot. Let me read a couple of questions here about Nazem Kadri. First one comes in from Mike, uh, Michael Stevens. Okay. Uh, Mike's like, Hey, has Nazem Kadri's patience and free agency. Do you think it's cost him some money or some term? Guy was on a sweetheart deal uh, before, had a career year, won a Stanley Cup. Should he have just gone to the highest bidder right away? Or is the fit for him really worth it where he might leave $5, $10 million on the table? That's from Michael. So what do you think about Nazem Kadri? Like, and again, we're recording this on Monday around noon Eastern. At this point, Kadri hasn't signed, which shocks me. I thought he would have been one of the first 10 guys to go. Right. Do you think that maybe he's overthinking this or they've overplayed their hand a bit? Um, it's a good question. And I think it's tough without knowing what's actually been out and in front of Nazem Kadri. I think it was pretty clear on day one that he wasn't going to sign based on them saying like, all right, let's hear your offers. So they were going through the process of getting, you know, offers from however many teams were interested in his services. I, I, I think you look at the market for someone like Johnny, like Johnny Gaudreau's the sign for 9.75. Like what is Nazem Kadri being offered? Right. Like I think and Johnny's younger. Um, he's a top line, like elite, elite skilled player. And, and Kadri is great. Um, but I do wonder if there's general managers in the league who are balancing. <laughs> Look, he had a career year at 32 years old on one of the most stacked teams in the NHL. I think that is something that made him from the get-go, a prime candidate to be overpaid. Um, and he is a career second-line center. He did step in and play great as a 1C when Nathan McKinnon was out. He is capable of playing up the lineup. But, like, this is a guy who, if you have Nazem Kadri on your team, he is ideally your second-line center. Like, you want Nazem Kadri behind your elite number one center to give you that yeah. one-two punch in the top six, and that's something that you can't really pay $8.5 million dollars. You know, and I think that's probably something that GMs are aware of. Like if we're thinking that, Ian, like I'm sure NHL general managers are thinking that. Um, so I wonder if the market isn't exactly what they thought it would be. Um, I wonder if it's a mix of wanting money and going and going to a contender. I don't know if it's an overplaying your hand kind of thing, but I do wonder if the market isn't exactly what they thought based on those things. Like I, I don't think you should be giving 32 year old Nazem Kadri $8.5 million on a long-term contract um, because of his age, because what is he going to look like? Like, look, he was incredible in Colorado. He was a force in the playoffs. He is somebody who 
plays hard. Like he was like coming back from the thumb, like the breaking is the fracture, right. like all these things he did. He was excellent. So, so good. Um, but like, you can't focus on that and ignore the rest of his career either in the sense that he was a second line center who was what, like a 50 point guy, which is still uh, yeah, 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 He had back-to-back 30 goal years in Toronto, right? Like, and, and he was kind of around the 55, 60 point yeah. plateau, I think around the, that time. Yeah. Right. So 30 goals is awesome, but like 55, 60 points uh, on as your career kind of average hovering, yep. it's not a 100 point pace. So I think you have to take the 100 point pace that he scored at this year and balance that with the rest of the sample size, with the age, with the environment he was playing in, et cetera, et cetera. And I think all that's maybe made jams a little bit. And we're also in a flat cap and nobody really has cap space. So I think the amount of teams who have, um, who can contend for another Stanley cup, I say another because he just won one. But I think the amount of teams who can legitimately contend in cities that he might want to play in, who have the cap space to sign him to what he wants, like that's again, <laughs> look at Johnny. Like apparently the Islanders and the didn't even really make a pitch. The Devils didn't even get up to ten million dollars. Like these are teams who had cap space who could have made a pitch and did not because they want the cap flexibility. So I think if Johnny Gaudreau had a tough market, I think Nazem Kadri's probably having one too. Okay, and another Kadri-related question for us comes in from uh, somebody on Twitter with the uh, Peter Schaefer Stan account. Uh, love Peter Schaefer. It was great to deal with in Ottawa. Uh, question is, where's the most chaotic place Nazem Kadri could end up? St. Louis. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that might be, that's the slam dunk. <laughs> St. Louis. There that's we right. go. St. Louis. Just because I hate them. Oh, my God. Can- We're just going to go. $10 million over the cap after dumping Max Pacioretty for nothing. We're just going to go the cap again and oh tell him to go on LTIR for the year. <laughs> you know what I think would also make hockey fans upset? If Kadri signed a one-year deal in Tampa. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that just anger? Like, in terms of pure chaos, I, I think you're right. I think St. Louis would be one because of the, the way things played out in the playoffs. I think Vegas. Vegas we hate them. Yeah. We Vegas. And we're partners. Yeah. You hate them too, though. Okay. Uh, Tampa, <laughs> I think, would be on the, the list of yeah. pure chaos. What about Columbus? What if Columbus just jumped in and were like, you know what? We're going all in. We're going after Nazem Kadri, too. Yeah, that'd be kind of funny. Yeah. That'd be like, not again. That'd be yeah, funny. There's some, there's some places here. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Another, uh, another tweet has come into us. Uh, this is from uh, Play the Kid Line, who wants to know, of the seven Canadian teams, who's got the best three-year outlook? So, kind of next three years, who's got the best outlook? Probably between Ottawa and Montreal, isn't it? I don't know what's oh, going on. Montreal? Three years? Look at all their draft picks. And you're oh, like, man. Maybe? I don't know. No? I think Ottawa ends up better, but, like, I don't know. Montreal's got the coach they like, and they've got all these draft picks. What are they going to look like in three years? I have no idea. I think you can more confidently say that Ottawa is better in three years, but I think Montreal's Montreal. All I'm trying to say is Montreal's like lurking because I mean, it takes a while for that stuff to turn out. It's going to be Ottawa because what if Austin Matthews leaves? (gasps) What's going to happen in Toronto? I'm sorry. He's got two years left. Yeah. It's probably Ottawa. But don't you feel like Edmonton and 
Toronto, just given their talent level, would possibly be the the two teams you would say have the best chance to go deep and win within the next three years? Or no? I don't know. I guess I didn't get the question. I was thinking like in terms of like rebuilding, like who's going to be better in three years um, in terms of that? Because I guess I just look at Toronto and Edmonton as being good already. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I think that Edmonton probably didn't. I think Edmonton right now on paper is like back to the Western Conference final, don't you think? At least this year. On paper, absolutely. Depending on what Evander Kane looks like next season, Jack Campbell, um, they made some moves. Um, I think Toronto's been knocking on the door. I think the Leafs, as cliche as it sounds, and as it's not the consolation prize that anybody wants, but like we heard from Joe Smith that that was the hardest series they'd played in in, in two years, right? So I think the Leafs. And the Oilers probably have the best chance at winning in the next three years. Yeah, for sure. But I think in terms of overall like growth and improvement and looking at the outlook that way, um, I think I'm really curious at what Ottawa and Montreal end up looking like. I don't know what's going to happen in Calgary, Winnipeg. I don't know what's going on there, but I think those are the teams that you kind of look at and go like, I'm very curious. I'm very curious how this kind of rebuild works in Montreal. Uri Slavkovsky is a great player. I've watched him a lot at the Olympics doing those Slovakia games with Duffy and Dave Poulin. Um, So, yeah, I think, yeah, Toronto and Edmonton probably have your best chance at winning based on the top-end talent they have. But I'm the most curious over three years what Montreal and Ottawa look like, personally. A quick hitter question. Two quick hitters here before we, uh, we wrap up, and we'll do a quick multiple-choice segment. Lip1978 wants to see us have a bet. Who ends up with more points next season, Ottawa or Calgary? That's a good, that's a really good one. I think that depends if Matthew Kachuk stays. Okay, let's say Matthew Kachuk stays on a one-year No, it can't be one year. If he signs a one-year deal, you got to trade him. Well, we went through that with Mark Stone. We know. Yeah, and the return sucked. So the Flames need to do that before that happens. If you get a second rounder and like a prospect who hasn't broken into the NHL yet for Matthew Kachuk, that is a failure. Uh, I would say failure. That's a little harsh because Eric Branstrom still has a little bit of time, but you cannot get that return for Matthew Kachuk. Like absolutely not. I have used that as the war. I've used Mark Stone as the warning sign to trade Matthew Kachuk sooner. Yeah. It seems like he's not going to stay anyways. Um, I think if Matthew stays, the Pacific is still going to be kind of meh. Uh, I'm trying to think of like who's going to have the tougher sledding, you know? Like I could see Calgary doing. I'm trying to think in my head of what the West is going to look like next year, you know? Well, I think LA is going to be a lot better, right? Again, they took a step forward. I think. I just said that on the podcast. I need to get it together. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I don't have AC. It's 26 degrees in here. I'm very warm. Hot takes. Hot takes with Haley. Hot takes from my warm apartment in Calgary, Alberta. Um, I don't know. I think Ottawa will still need to go up against like a better, 
like the, the Leafs, the Red Wings got better. I'm really having a blank. I don't know, Ian. Uh, I guess we're taking bets, so I should just bet on Calgary and you bet yeah, on Ottawa. And I bet on Ottawa and, uh, and we'll you know, see. Maybe, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll put something on the line here. Yeah. We'll ask our listeners to put something on the line. Maybe, maybe Haley has to wear a cowboy hat for a whole episode of the... Uh, I'm not buying one, so... Yeah, yeah you have to buy it. No. You go to a dollar store and buy a cheap one. That's true. Yeah, a cheap... All right, let, listen, let's wrap up with a little multiple choice madness. You ripped through this. Um, let me ask you this question. What's the, what was the most head-scratching trade made in the month of, of July? The one that you're like, I don't know what, what the hell just happened here. Okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. give you... Four options. What was the biggest head scratcher in the month of July? Was it A, Alex DeBrinket going to Ottawa and Chicago only getting three draft picks? Is it mm-hmm. B, Tony D'Angelo going to Philadelphia also for three draft picks? Was it C, Max Pacioretty and uh, Dylan Coughlin going to Carolina for futures? Or D, Toronto picks up 75% of Matt Murray's salary. Gets a couple of draft picks, uh, again, for future considerations. What was the biggest head-scratcher for you out of those? DeBrinket, D'Angelo, Pacioretty, Matt Murray. Um, I wasn't scratching my head at Pacioretty because you just expect Vegas to toss really valuable, good people out the door for nothing. Um, they've done that a lot. So I was just like, huh, they did that again. Um I think initially the Chicago one was like, they didn't even get one of the sends like great prospects in return, but I guess I kind of understand that Chicago just, I don't know. They want their own picks to do it themselves and they want everyone to be in the same window. I don't know. It was probably Matt Murray um, just because of look, the, the Leafs are pinning their season on a reclamation project. And they gave up assets to do so. Um, and then you see how much Dar- um, Jack Campbell signed for. Um, and you see how much like Darcy Kemper signed for. And it's like, why couldn't the Leafs have been in on these guys? They look at the Cam Talbot deal. I mean, obviously you need the asset to go back. I don't think the, the Leafs had the same kind of B-level goalie to go back to uh, Minnesota, like the Sens did in Philip Forsberg, but I just think you look at the rest of the goalie carousel, and then you look at what the Leafs are paying Matt Murray, what they, what they kind of did for all this, and it's like, uh, again, they're they're banking their season on a reclamation project, and I think that's a little <laughs> frightening. Yeah, you know what? For me, I think it might be Alex Dubrincic because I, I was shocked when Ottawa didn't have to give up Shane Pinto or Ridley Gregg or Jacob Bernard Docker or. Uh, you know, one of these, I almost called them Lasso, Lasso Thompson because of our <laughs> earlier conversation. Yeah. Is it Lasso or Lass? Yeah. Lasso Thompson. Yeah. Lassie Thompson. But to me, Chicago, you had a two time 40 goal scorer in Alex Dabrinkit. He's mm-hmm. got two years left of team control. Uh, like, wh- where, like, where was the rush to trade him? And if they're like, why not start the season with him? Flip, like, I think you could have got more for him at the deadline or you could, like, it just felt like, you sold really low yeah. on a three-time, like essentially he's a three-time 40-goal scorer. because the They want to be bad. They want to be bad. This is, but, a, I get it. This is a but, shameless tank job teardown. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, here, just take him, give us some picks. I was shocked too, Ian. Like, how do you not get a player back? But this is what I'm saying. Like, like also got, 
they also just didn't qualify Dylan Strom, who they had been trying to trade, who they right. couldn't get the assets back for. Um, but I think when you look at it for Chicago, like they're looking at these guys and saying, well, by the time they're, by the time our rebuild bears fruit, they're, they're not going to factor in anymore. So I don't know how Ridley Gregg and Shane Pinto factor into that because they're still young pros. But yeah, it's just, it's weird. I don't, I stopped trying to understand what's happening. I think, oh, I get it. It's a shameless tank job. I I understand it completely, but that's a really weird one. It is. It was weird. Okay. I'm going to sneak one more in and we got a, a guest submission here for multiple choice madness. This comes in from Twitter from Tuna99 Hockey Flow, who wants to know, we're going to wrap it up the way we started, Haley. We're talking rodeo. And Tuna99 wants to know, is the rodeo A, a sport, B, a circus, or C, a job on steroids? What is the rodeo? A sport, a circus, or a job on steroids? I, it's, I don't think it's a circus. Um, the strength to sit bareback on a bull for eight seconds and not break your leg makes me think that rodeo is like a sport. I don't know if it's like you can call it a sport in the tradition. It's like sport adjacent. Like they train like athletes, I'm sure. Sport adjacent. That's like, that's what like, like bocce ball is sport adjacent. Oh, look, I, I would lean more to calling it a a sport because these guys train like athletes. (laughs) It's physically demanding. They're doing tournaments, points, and all that. Like, look, it's not a sport in the sense of like hockey and basketball and stuff, but it's a competition, right? It's fair to say, like, it's a competition. Yeah, and again, it's physically demanding. One of the one of the guys who was doing the, I forget the what it was called. It's when you're on the horse and you have to stay on the horse for eight seconds. It's trying to buck you off, anyways. Um, one of the guys was doing that on a torn quad because like, I think the horse kicked them off really hard in like training. So he was like doing the bucks or whatever with a torn quad or stuff. Like these guys are, yeah, I don't They're know. Tough. Okay. It's you know what? We're, we're going to settle on this. It's a, <laughs> you said it's a physically demanding competition that is sport ad- adjacent. Yes. That is the, that is the answer. All right. Listen, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, this was fun. This, 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 this hour blew by, um, looking for it. We'll do it again next week and I'm sure we'll get some, some more email sport. Now you're jumping in and calling what (laughs) an equestrian sport riding's a sport. It's at the Olympics. So rodeo. Do you think the the rodeo has ever tried to get into the Olympics? Wouldn't you love to see their pitch to get into the Olympics? If Equestrian's well, in there. In the- yeah, there was break dancing. Ballroom dancing, break dancing. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's not the one where they're tying up the little cow's legs. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we have to end it on that a Saturday. not a sport. That one's just me. Yeah. All right, listen. We do have to leave it there because I got to run. I want to thank everybody for listening to this latest edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Follow us on your favorite uh, podcast platform. Leave us a rating or review. We appreciate that. Subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Get all of our bonus content from the entire network. We'll start with a 30-day free trial, just 99 cents a month after that. Right now, we got a great deal going on uh, with the Athletic. You can su- subscribe for a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.